If you want to save money on your trading card purchases, we have a promo link uh, over at 50cards.shop. Enter the promo code at night to get 5% off your order. Hey everybody, welcome to Nexus at Night, your weekly Vanguard podcast. I'm Atlas. I'm Matt. I'm Rupier. And uh, what's up, man? All right, so I've had I, an idea for a video for a while, and then, you know, my pipes burst, and I'm living with my parents right now, so I got really lazy and unmotivated to actually do it, so we're just going to do it on the podcast instead, because it's continuing to be a rather slow news week. It's Yeah, well, I mean, that's what happens. Oh, he couldn't masturbate because his arms are too short. What? What? I keep forgetting I put all these clips in there that we, that we just never use. So, uh, oh, our radio show now. I understand. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. I need like the uh, 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 horn or something. Um, so yeah, talking about keywords this week, old keywords that just don't. Yeah, because exist anymore. Yeah, because I was just thinking about it. Although there is like <laughs> one other thing that we need to talk about first, because there was product right. news. Right. Product news. Yo, okay. products. Products and yeah. services that don't support this podcast because we're supported by our patrons, patreon.com slash nexus at night. Got him. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we yeah. have a new, uh, I keep wanting to say TCG. Uh, we have a new West, thing. I'm yeah, sharing Western my screen. Exclusive. But... Oh, okay. Sorry. I'm sharing my okay. screen with the product. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, this is only for in English. Yes. So it is going to be a mask supply set. So it only contains one card in it. Uh, so it com- comes with a large storage box, which is just going to be the packaging, as has been the case with like the previous things. So like one of these? The, yeah. I'm yeah. going to assume you're holding it up right now because I can't share the like oh. yeah, for broadcast people screen. This is the the Messiah uh, mm-hmm. deck set, okay. so like one of those probably. I'm guessing. Yeah, but like bigger. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's gonna come with a play mat. It's gonna come with like those little fighters coins. I do not have my dice bag with me right now, but you know the they have these coins little that acryl- I never use. Fuck those things. Yeah, I mean I think they're fine. Uh, like for but... all intents and purposes, like three sets of going first, going second markers, which seems unnecessary. Uh, six card dividers, which no one will ever use, but you know, you can use them to separate out like your ride deck or your G zone or whatever, but no one bothers because they're in different sleeves already, anyways. And two promo cards, um, what's it called? Like in in the boxes where you keep your commons, like based on Mm -hmm. nation or clan, but sorry, continue. And then two promo cards, which is just the mask. Uh, we are still incapable of giving anybody play sets wait so you buy two of them you have four masks and then you still have to go collect everything else you need anyway yeah how hard was it to pull the mask in uh set what was it 10 uh so average was like six or seven a box or six or seven a case sorry okay that's not which is like enough. not great it's about yeah. typical triple r rates uh, the mask has gone down in price to about eighteen dollars now, but like it's still like not amazing. What's the, but yeah? Did they say MSRP for this product? 
Not that I can see. I see. Uh, but knowing Bushiroad, I expect it to be something completely unreasonable. Probably not, right? I mean, like, if I were to, like, price it myself, just based on what we're actually getting, I'd say maybe it's like 25, maybe 30 if you really wanted to stretch it. Because, like, you're essentially just paying for, like, the playmat and the storage box, and you're getting, like, the two copies of the mask included. Mm -hmm. They can't be bothered to give you four. Yeah. But, like, yeah. Also, very notably, for a supply set, it is missing two very important things that you typically need when you're playing a TCG. And what's that, Rupier? You know, just like one of these, and, you know, like this. You know, just saying. You know, well, typically... Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so... I am not opposed to like the idea of this product there are a lot of just random miscellaneous crap that you need as a tcg player so like you need deck boxes you probably want to have sleeves so your cards don't get damaged play mats are nice to have so i don't hate the idea of them making an accessory set like this but like they're missing the two most important things right like the stuff to actually protect your cards yeah like and that Combined with the fact that they're not giving you a playset of the mask, it's like, why does this exist? So this is, okay, this is what I imagine someone buying it for. I'm buying, you know, packs for that set, trying to get the mask. I get, like, one. And you're like, well, I need this. Tournament's about to start. Regionals are about to start, whatever. Here's a place where I can go get exactly what I need. So you buy it out of frustration, almost. <laughs> no, that then seems like, before, like a poor product. Yeah, yeah. It's a good idea on paper, and then you see the rest of the paper. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, like if they just said like Vanguard supply set, I'd be like, okay, that's pretty cool. Like themed product, like themed yeah. accessories for Vanguard, so you can like you keep the Vanguard name in people's heads and. You know, players can get all the random miscellaneous accessories that they need. Uh, but the fact that they're just missing the most important things is, like, cool. Who is running the ship at Bushiroad EN? Like, these are such simple decisions. Uh, well, the answer is Bushiroad JP. Yeah. And uh, we don't get nice things. We are not the favorite children. Yeah. There's that, and then, like, okay, so you're not going to buy this set unless you need the masks no one's going mm -hmm. after the box or like the the, the the coins or whatever that i can think of i i've never met like that archetype of person um yeah so if if they want like it's probably not going to move all that quickly i think if they wanted to move this quicker they would at least like i don't know throw a few packs in there like at least you're something like, so at least you're getting something like in there. like either like Okay, the like randomized versions of whatever mask is a terrible idea, but like a themed set, right? Like you could just have or, like each of the individual mask units on like the mat or whatever, mm -hmm. and then it would come with like some copies of the mask card that's on the mat, uh, so that you have like themed supply sets. But no, we're just doing like the mask by itself, which who cares? I don't really understand who this product is for, but 
It's for yeah. people who didn't pull the mask but need the mask. And that's it. But that's like, why, why would you, like, if you're designing a product, right? Mm-hmm. And you, you're, you, on the first thing you probably should be asking is, who is this product for? What, what is, what, what, and what presumably is that person looking for out of this product, right? Is that mm-hmm. unreasonable to assume? No. And, you know, and if your answer is, well, it's for people who need the card and can't get it, and, and like, a, you know, then you're like, uh, well, is this really the best avenue for this? Is this really the best idea for this product? Like, or the best way to get this card out, I guess? We complained about the mask not being abundant enough uh, when the set was first revealed. That's true. And, yeah. like, that is but, technically them answering our grievances. Yeah, but, but they're like, also just, like, reprinting it, right? Yeah. Where, I like, I they are. you could have just accomplished this by doing it as, like, a common or a rare reprint in, like, the next set. English. I mean, they could even just make it a tournament promo. They made Sanctitude a tournament promo. Yeah, that's perfect. That would that would have been uh, like it, it's just more copies out there, you know. So it, it's just yeah. easier to get a hold of. Yeah. Also, I'm pretty sure the mask is being reprinted in set twelve. I could be wrong. If they, if it is, great. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> so, like, I don't think this necessarily hurts anything, except for the one thing, which was it pushes. Japanese releases even further down the road while we wait for this. Yeah, like we just have a gap. Yeah, yeah, we have a gap month in November for this. (sighs) I would have called it harmless if it wasn't for this. (laughs) Just a reminder: the uh, Night Rose and Hari set was an absolute flop. It is currently on TCG Player for like a fraction of its original MSRP. I mean, they really dropped the ball with that one. Yeah, hundred and fifty dollars, and now people cannot move them. Yeah. Yep. Who could have foreseen this? I mean, I think what bothers me the most with with that particular set is they came so close to. Did they something good? I think for getting people into premium. What sucks is they released just an absolutely awful product, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and now every future premium product was like, "Oh well, this one didn't work out, so it's useless to try again." And you're like, "Yeah," but the product they tried on was just so poor. That's what's truly frustrating about like when like and why, and why you know it's upsetting when we get products like this is because we know this is just going to be the excuse for never doing it again. Yeah. yeah, like we want you to do a good job. You know, like we complain about this kind of stuff all the time. We're a Vanguard podcast, but like. We want Bushiroad to release good stuff. It would be great for us to be like, this is awesome, but for like everything. But that's not how life works. So, yeah. But like everything they've released has been like mid at best, right? Like, I think like the deck sets and the current stand up deck sets are like that are coming in October are like okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, $50 is still a bit high for like non foiled cards. Yeah. Now, if and they put the the ride line helpers in there, then 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 I'll uh, like then we're talking. But they don't. So I mean, most of them aren't even that expensive. They're all well, except for up. except for the cater one. I gotta go find three more of those bastards. Um, yeah, because the cater one's the only one seeing play. It's probably not going to be yeah. played for that long. Which is a shame because I kind of like the dark states one. Get a get an extra thing from salt. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, 
yeah. So swing yeah. and a miss on this one, and especially a miss because now it's more time that we gotta wait for this stupid thing to I, pass. Like this product is so stupid. Like if they included the deck box and sleeves, I could see it being just. I could see its existence being justified as like, okay, well, this is just something like people actually need, but nope, we couldn't get that far. So, yeah. Uh, Festivance begins with, with the airing of grievances, and uh, yeah. we've done that. I will say I'm quite impressed at uh, how well Shadowverse is spreading. Uh, yeah. It's uh, quite impressive. Um, uh, I'm hoping that uh, you know people can enjoy it. Yep. It was, it was so popular at my locals. We need two days for it. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, like Shadowverse been popping off. And yeah. honestly, it was a game that I didn't. Ha- I thought, well, you know, I, I was a bit afraid for. Um, I didn't really know what Bushiro's plan was with it, and uh, I think uh, I think they've the release has been good. Yeah, like I think like. Being an existing property that was already like decently popular, and also like Bushiro doing the demo caravan where they were going around to different shops showing off the game did a lot for marketing it. Mm-hmm. Also, apparently, the production values for their like regional tournaments is just insane. Oh, really? Like, what, we got that side games money, huh? Yeah. <laughs> like, Different Fight was tweeting it earlier where we have like the stream for the matches, and the production quality is just like crazy oh i haven't watched it yet but like yeah yeah i mean shadowverse is uh like oh some of the cards in the game like can be considered iconic which really Mm -hmm. helps the game out because people are like i want this card i like playing in the early shadowverse sets like i really like otohime i really Mm -hmm. like a lot of the uh the sword uh sword sword craft cards sword Mm -hmm. online sword craft I don't. Uh, but uh, yeah, and it's like you know those cards were definitely something I would be looking at, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, other people, I think a lot of people played uh, Shadowverse early on, and at least it's the, at least when it existed, because there's kind of not no reason not to it being a free game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if you played set, uh, like set one, set two, Shadowverse at all, uh, I, I already do. know. I already know. I already know. Alice didn't. <laughs> Yeah, I always like, heard so about well. it, but never did. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty fun. I'm a mid, I'm a mid, I'm a mid range sword and enjo- swordcraft enjoyer. <laughs> you know how it is. Yeah, yeah. I'm still like working towards completing swordcraft IRL. I'm missing Hell, like yeah. the third copy of Totohime. I don't have any of the evolved versions either. Remember, mid sword is cooler than uh, is cooler than uh, aggro sword. Mm-hmm. Always remember this. So yeah, I'm doing like swordcraft and abysscraft for Shadowverse. I will like figure my shit out eventually. So, anyways, uh, on to the so main topic. Now for the feats of strength. What's up with the uh, keywords? All right, so we already know we're getting the next like special series sets for Luard and Shiranui and. The cool thing about these is that they had keywords because we're getting Luard, which obviously is ritual, and then specifically Shiranui Obero, which is dominate. So I figure we could go and look back at old keywords and just kind of reminisce about it. Sure. Um, Do you want to start with those keywords and then we can go from there? Uh, So I do have a plan in mind, but, you know, first let's... 
go with the general concept of keywords. Give me a sec to uh, share screen. Uh, Found him. Do all right. Keywords. Yeah. So keywords were a thing about like middle G era. So according to the wiki, they came out during the first Bermuda set because, of course, it was Bermuda. Yeah, they're either the first or the last thing to get whatever. Uh, yeah. So. You know, every clan has a keyword that's exclusive to their own clan that kind of does all sorts of different things. I don't think keywords in Vanguard really work the way they do in other games where uh, I don't play magic. So, Matt, could you explain some like magic keywords really quickly? Yeah. So magic keywords, there are some that are kind of like uh, what what's called evergreen. Mm -hmm. uh, and th these are keywords that are just appear in every set. So these are like flying, trample, vigilance. So all of them are basically like how monsters can attack or like they basically lift restrictions <clears throat> on certain summoning, uh, on certain casting conditions on the monsters or how those monsters interact with the board when they're in play. That is the general premise of keywords in magic. And they're to shorten things that might be complicated. Like trample in magic is a very complicated mechanic. But the idea is quite simple, right? If I attack with my six power creature and you block with your three toughness creature, then the excess damage goes to you. That is very easy to uh, understand. <coughs> understand as a player, right? Mm -hmm. But when writing it down in a way that's kind of free of context, right? So it's very clear what's going on just from text is much more difficult. Like, yeah, yeah you get it in the context of the situation, right? Mm -hmm. But to write that down where people do not need context is much harder. I know yeah. for like, I remember from Yu-Gi-Oh! Way back in the day, it was, like if something had piercing battle damage, it didn't say piercing. It used to say, when this monster attacks a defense position monster, inflict the excess you know, yep. power as damage. Yeah. And then now they just say piercing. Piercing. Piercing battle damage, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and it's kind of the same with Vanguard, where like when uh, the, you know, whichever keyword is introduced, uh, mm -hmm. in the first few sets where you see it, it will say, it'll have like, usually with a keyword, it's a symbol in Vanguard, right? You have mm -hmm. Counter Blast, you have GV1, you have that kind of thing. And it will say, in parentheses, this effect is active if you have one or more face-up cards on mm -hmm. Vanguard or face-up mm -hmm. G10. And then later, you just have GV1. That's it. Yeah. At that point, it's established that GV1 has been around for a long time. You can either look, you'll either almost inevitably see a card where it explains it to you, or, mm -hmm. it, you know, you probably just don't need it explained anymore. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Vanguard does have some of those types of keywords, things like Forerunner, Forerunner, which they've phased out, uh, Generation Break, which still exists, G Guards, Glitter, which is a thing, uh, Limit Break, which they have phased out, and really could put back on certain cards that were introduced in V, Lord, which doesn't exist anymore, Resist, which still exists, but they stopped using the keyword Restraint, which reason. they've more, yeah, Restraint, which they've like more or less stopped using. Sentinel, which is probably the main one still being used. Yep. And all the like skill icon abilities, so things like intercept and uh, boost, twin drive, stuff like that. However, usually when we talk about keyword, we're thinking about the unique clan ones. So every clan in G got a keyword, except for Link Joker. They decided that lock was going to be their thing, where it was like some extra mechanic or some sort of like state 
or some other restriction that was kind of tied into the clan. And, you know, because G-Era with strides, you had all these different strides that not that are not necessarily just like your same guy, you know, like in G era right now, if you're playing a deck, you are playing like that one guy. If you're playing a youth Burke deck, it's all youth Burks. You know, if you're playing Gondiva, it's always going to be Gondiva, et cetera, et cetera. So keywords were kind of a way for them to tie together like G era. And since we're getting them back now with Luard and, Shiranui, I thought it would be fun if we could just like go through every clan and just talk about all of their keywords and kind of reminisce for a bit. Yeah, like I, I vaguely remember we may have done an episode about this a few years back. Die Hard yeah. Nexus and Night Fans, please let us know. <laughs> um, because we do this every week and I forget things. Anyway, uh, but like there are genres to the keywords. You have mm -hmm. uh, a state keyword. Yeah. So an example would be Blaze for Kagura. Mm -hmm. Where if you have more rare guards than your opponent, your vanguard is blazing. It's in yeah. the blaze state. There's the then, skill keyword, yeah, which is it does something. So Magia for Pale Moon is a good example. You soul charge or you call something from soul, it goes back into end phase. Yeah, or like hollow. hollow. And then some of them are like restrictions. So like Brave and Ugh. Oracle. <laughs> Double off. Yeah. So my plan here is the worst. Mm -hmm. what? I think restriction keywords were generally the worst. Yeah. So my plan for this is to just kind of go through in clan order on the clan page because that's easier yeah. than trying to go in... Cro uh, I'm not about to try and piece together keywords in chronological order from when they yeah. release. Or alphabetical. And, yeah. uh, alphabetical is awkward because of exactly Nubatama. <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, yeah. Uh, so if we're going in order of clan, I believe I'll take Brave because I've yeah. played it multiple times before. So Brave was the keyword where if you have three or less cards in hand, uh, mm -hmm. that's like what allows you to activate the skill. This yes. is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, Where's the? There it is. Brave. So you would have cards that like either. So you had something like Suleiman, whose Brave effect was kind of whatever. If it's in Brave, you mm -hmm. get three k. Okay, that's fine. And then the actual skill that you wanted, the calling something from deck, was mostly just tall, tied to Altmile, which, you know, that's fine. That doesn't really bother mm -hmm. me too much. Um, but for a lot of other stuff, you would just have things that, like, they needed you to be in Brave. Like, your Vanguard would be like, all right, on attack, if you're in Brave, which isn't entirely impossible, being that it's before drive checks. But you had stuff mm -hmm. that was like, um, there was a PG that's like, if you're bra in Brave in end phase... Do this, yeah. and it's like, why would you? Yeah, how? The bounce, the bounce to your hand, PG? That one, mm -hmm. it just has to be on Brave when it hits the board. Um, ah, I see. I was thinking of a Sonic Gall, which at the end of the turn, it you have to be in Brave, where you then retire it, draw a card, and counter charge two. I think you're that making up a card. This card never existed. <laughs> I hated yep. this thing so much. I wish it was just on play if you're in Brave Red Text, do that. At end yeah. Brave feels like it was born in a time where having six cards in your hand was, like, somewhat viable still. Yeah. Because um, around, like, GBT6-ish is when Brave started taking off, so that was, like, still a point before Time Leap went really crazy, and it was not uncommon for, like, average decks to only have about six or so cards, which is, like, unplayable in the modern day, right? If you're ending with less than, like, eight cards in your hand, you're probably just dead. You're in trouble, yeah. Um, so, yeah. 
like so, it feels like the concept of brave was like you go down to three and then you get your triple drive so you go back to about six ish which is still like viable at the time that brave was conceived and then that very quickly stopped being viable after about gbt8 yeah so they so had I, to start making cards that like artificially induce brave like this guy either brave lancer electos was a starter which was like Start your battle phase, put it in soul draw, you're just in Brave for the whole turn. Um, this guy. That guy, yeah. So um, it kind of reminds me of, like, Dragonic Overlord the X, which, like, anytime you're counting cards in your hand, you have zero. I wish yeah. they had something like that. Even, like, if they're going to do it nowadays, a set order, that'd be kind of mm -hmm. nice. Um, but, uh, yeah, th this was just uh, a very awkwardly induced thing. I think the best Brave cards were those where the Brave effect wasn't the important one mm -hmm. it was like incidental and then you had cards that like searched bra cards with brave which mm -hmm. usually had a cheaper cost which is great um but yeah just a a, a whole like i kind of see what they were going for especially in the anime where you had shion's arc of like his yeah. family's company gets stolen and he's like you know down on his luck you for about said he's stolen mm -hmm. <laughs> what whatever the thing i'm not gonna spoil the whole show but like yeah. he, he has this whole arc where he's like down on his luck and trying to get he bought into it. nfts mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> i'd watch that um, <laughs> yeah so uh i thought there was a stride that let you like bind cards in your hand so that you could have like brave and not actually lose your cards there was a there was a uh, grade one that was like rest and kill itself or something, and then you bind your hand face down. Okay, uh, I thought it was like I thought it was Brave Lancer that did that, but no, that one just makes you discard, which is infinitely worse. Yes, um, but like the only I think Brave strike. Okay, aside from Suleiman in Alt Mile, which is pretty solid, uh, the mm -hmm. only Brave anything that's really lasted still is uh, Immortal Holy Sword Fides, and. Yeah. That's because the Brave effect is not only uh, pre, like, checking for it before the drive check, it's also just free. There you go. This yeah. guy? Yep. So just on attack, if you're in Brave, call three anythings from deck. That's the be that's a good way to do Brave. So I'm done. <laughs> Let's keep moving. Yeah. Okay, next is OTT with Oracle. I hate this keyword. It is one of the worst. Oh, where the fuck is Oracle on here? There Oracle's it is. A weird, weird keyword. <sighs> Oracle is like the worst one. So Oracle is a state, so it is active as long as you have five or more cards in hand. Uh, so this was conceived in the time when all OTT did was draw cards. So, you know, you would think that like a keyword that requires you to be ahead the entire game to function would have very strong payoffs for it, right? Like, you'd expect to gain a lot of power or stuff like that. Uh, instead, half of the Oracle cards just draw you more cards. Like, when you're in Oracle, you get even more oracle yes. So, this one's like, <laughs> GB1 Oracle, when it attacks, you can pay the cost, look at top five, search something with the Oracle ability, and put it in your hand. Now, admittedly, it all also has an ability that lets you put it into soul and draw a card if you have four or less, but the fact that you have to already be in Oracle to draw more cards, mm -hmm. and this is like half of the Oracle cards. Yeah, like that particular one, because it's not even a plus. 
Like you mm-hmm. lose the card to get another card in hand. If that's the case, just keep it in hand. If it's that important. Yeah. Um, well, no, I this one is it, like if it's on the board, you can put it in your soul at the beginning of your main phase. At the beginning of your main phase. If you have four or less in hand, you can like put it in your soul to draw to like put yourself in Oracle. No, like I love it. Oh yeah, and like, then you know, there's one, this like, great one that's like when it hits while boosting. And you have to already be an oracle. You can like look at top five and search for something with the oracle ability and put it in your hand. And then if you add it to hand, you can put the, you have to put it in soul. Like now, did Oracle or just OTT in general have something that could take advantage of all this soul that you're gaining to maintain Oracle? No. Yeah. You saw it. R.I.P. Yeah. What a great uh, humor. Yeah. Because, like, you're... Oh, no, this was the one that, like, put you into Oracle. They had to print, like, multiple cards like this. Mm-hmm. So, where it's, like, Counter Blast 2. If you have four or less, you can draw until you have five. Like, and Oracle was such, in such a dire state because that was, like, all you could ever do with any of your Oracle cards until they finally printed Ichikishima. Where the Oracle... Where being an oracle actually did something good. And then you didn't play it in the actual oracle deck. The best thing you could do with OTT at that time was Battle Sister. Which also had a bunch of oracle cards randomly. But the oracle effects for uh, Battle Sister were generally better. Yeah. Well, a lot of them were just like passive power gains. So I think Crepe gets like 2k or something. Yeah, if you have five or more, just gets 2k, and then the on-hit to draw a card is not tied to Oracle. See, that's how you do If it's going to be a limitation, you have to have the, like, keyword mm-hmm. thing be not integral to the skill working. Yeah. And then there was, like, one stand trigger that could turn things into Silent Tom, but you could also just play Silent Tom. <laughs> so, yeah, Oracle is, like, one of the worst keywords. I absolutely hate it, and I am glad I don't have to think about Susano anymore. We will just ignore history collection. It's not real. Oh yeah, I saw somebody with a tier list, and I saw Susano, and they're like, "This is going to take over." I'm like, "Okay, I'm immediately disregarding this list." Yeah. <laughs> no sir. No ma'am. Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely want to look at my top cards and then put them all at the bottom. Hell yeah! All right. Yeah. Angel feather. Yeah, so next up is Angel Feather, where they have Rescue as soon as I find it. I, okay, Rescue was mm-hmm. uh, the first of yeah. our skill uh, keywords. Yeah, as far as the order we're doing this. So the way Rescue works is just that a Rescue ability has some sort of Rescue number, so like Rescue 1, where you choose however many cards in your damage zone equal to the number, heal it, and then damage your Vanguard. So you perform a damage check like normal. Yes. So this is how this is what made Angel Feather Gize so crazy was that these extra mm-hmm. damage checks effectively made you get to, you know, your triggers faster because you're going yeah. through your deck quicker. I mean, Angel Feather is still coping on Gize now. It is. I I think it's. <laughs> I I think uh, after History Collections, it, it's got some fun stuff it can do. But we'll see. Yeah. So Rescue went through a really weird phase where initially. The rescue card was like Black Seraf, where it gets the rescue effect during the battle phase. Yeah. So, you know, 
it has the skill where like when something's put in the damage zone you give things 2k and then at the end of the battle attack you can rescue two so the thing is like at this time i think this is before the refros ban you had a ton of really powerful stand triggers and angel feather so you have the rescue one surgery angel where it's like after it boosts you can rescue and shuffle it back into the deck you had refros obviously from the infamous refros loop and you had the no seal stand trigger that when you guard with it lets you damage swap so you could stack that with gavriel to get a bunch of power on your opponent's turn correction the grade one was the one that let you damage swap on guard the stand trigger was just shoving in soul oh during oh that's right yeah. sorry my bad okay. but yeah you did play like both no seal you did play the like, you played no every no seal card you can get your garbage little paws on mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah you're right the great one is, was yeah. the damage swapping and then the stand trigger was just like put in the soul uh and then you can like put put a card from hand to the damage zone take a card from your damage zone put it in your hand so you could damage swap which you could stack with things like Broken Heart or Gavriel to like gain a bunch of power, but also, you know, in general, it was just like a really good card. So you played like eight. I saw at least one topping list play 12, but most of them just played like seven or eight, where you were just playing like three, four no CLs, four refros, and not very many people actually played Surgery Angel, even though I think it's a cool card. So that was what you were doing initially, was you wanted the damage phase, or the battle phase, rescue checks, because then you have all of these stand triggers in your deck, and you're stacking all this power, so if you just rescue check a bunch of stand triggers, then you can re-stand your very big units. Yeah. Uh, but then, starting set 9, they, like, switched it up, and they decided that all of your strides were going to be, like, uh, main phase, main phase rescue, rescue checks rescue, instead. Yeah. So you had to, like, switch over to playing Criticals, which was, like, kind of awkward. And I feel like Angel Feather never quite hit that same peak that it did during the NoCL days when you could Refros loop people. Yeah, I agree. Um, it, I feel kind of bad for them just because it's an, inherent, it's an inherently defensive mechanic overall. Mm -hmm. So be, having this sort of passive, like, all right, I have my dudes, they all have crits. Coming at yeah. you, three attacks. Like it, it's not as. Uh, it wasn't know. three attacks. That was a thing. It was like <laughs> yeah. five. Yeah, that's if yeah. you had a uh, Harut on board too. Uh, well, no, you no, could. It just. Uh, it was almost Gabrielle always Eden. I am looking at a card that lets you call during the battle phase. Yeah, oh, right. Where it like calls them, and then you. Yeah, you, if you yeah. hit, yeah, it's like you're probably hitting one stand trigger, and then you have that, and then yeah, it's like always yeah. five attacks. Yeah. If you were doing, like, battle phase rescues, like, later on, they just printed cards like Gavriel Eden that, like, just calls cards out of the damage zone. So yeah. you have... So they just kind of stuck with, like, main phase rescue, stacking critical triggers, and then, like, you get your multi-attacks just from card effects instead. Yeah. And then, like, in V, they just kind of kept rescue as a thing, but just didn't have the keyword anymore. Yeah, that that is another genre of keywords is just putting a name to like the thing that your clan was already doing. Yeah, like, there's a few of those. Yeah, we'll get to that eventually, but there are a couple of those. So yeah. I was oh yeah, I was gonna do like ratings for all of these keywords. I can't think of a good joke rating for rescue though. Uh C plus. Nine out of eleven. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it, Matt! <laughs> that that was good. Okay. 
Yeah. Anyways, Brave gets a three out of ten. I don't have any words for uh Oracle. Oracle gets an F. <laughs> yeah. Please divine me a better keyword out of ten. Uh, let's see. Next up is Shadow Paladin, which is uh, there is so much lore here. Okay, thank you. Which is Ritual. So Ritual is active when you have the Ritual number based on the number of grade ones in your drop zone. So if something is Ritual 3, for example, which most of them are, then you need like three grade ones in your drop zone for it to be active. Three or more. Uh, yeah, three or more to be active. That At least would be three. so dumb if it was exactly. <laughs> That'd be funny. Right. Dark Arm Dragon rulings. Oh, uh, Dragfall. Yeah, Dragfall was variable amount. So, yeah. for example, the original Drag Hard is Ritual 3. Mm-hmm. So you can, like, take two normal units from your drop zone, bottom deck them, and then you can strive without paying the cost. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what made it so good, was that mm-hmm. it's not only uh, helping ri- like keep your engine going by virtue of like paying the cost of stride, but then yeah. also you're not discarding that card every turn, which you know, mm-hmm. it adds up all over time. Like the fact that this has been like the one uh, stride bearer that continued to be competitively viable long into like even premium uh, mm-hmm. is nothing short of amazing, I think. Yeah. And this is also the one that's coming back because we're getting Luard again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I, yeah, I, ritual was always one of the better keywords because the whole thing with. Uh, Shadow Paladin, especially in Giera, was like grade one toolboxing. So the original Claret Sword would just call out a bunch of grade ones so that you could retire them. Uh, Luard does the same thing, but I believe he needs to retire something as well. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. So you have to... something on board every turn to kill. So basically. yeah, when you stride, you can like retire something, search your deck for two grade ones. He, he would always ask something. It was so hard to kill all the regards from this freaking deck. Yeah. So. That is the playstyle Shadow Paladin did, had in G, where it was grade one toolboxing. So Ritual is kind of a natural extension of this, where since you're constantly like searching stuff out and retiring them, you're just going to have Ritual active. It's also what makes this guy, Plotmaker, one of the better G guards of the era, because it was essential. this card essentially just read, have 25k shield all the time. <laughs> Are you playing the game? Good, 25k shield. <laughs> yeah. And of course, uh, we can't forget Belial Owl. Where... The reason I stopped playing Ritual. <laughs> <laughs> yep, uh, Ritual 3 at the end of the turn. If you have Vanguard with Luard, you just put it at the bottom of your deck. Boy, we love recycling critical triggers. Yep. And oh, you forgot the. Yeah. Hmm? Go ahead, man. Yeah, this, this thing just gained. Uh, this thing was annoying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When die, like, it, it was a constant resource loop that you didn't even have to did you did you did you forget the card where part where it says draw a card at the end of it yeah that that's That's a that that's like the most messed up part about this card like if it just put itself back you'd be like yeah whatever but no it it, it, it's plusing them a lot no it's when it's retired from rear guard circle by effect it draws a card and then at the end of the turn you put it back oh right right, right, right. yeah so it's nice that it doesn't do it immediately but still like you don't have to put it back with Luard's ability. That would be a little broken if it could put back triggers. It just does that on its own. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's the wacky part. And it, it, it was already really hard for Luard to deck out. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. And, and now, and at this point, it's just like, well, now if they even get close, their deck's just all triggers all the yeah. time. Yep. And you're like, thanks. 
We're uh, we're still in United Sanctuary. We should pick this up. I think. Yeah. Unless we want to do like a two-parter or something. Um. We'll see. But Gold uh, Paladin. Oh man, I, I should yep. get uh, the Ghost of Richard in, uh, onto the show again. I killed. Yeah. Him. No. Uh, so yeah, uh, Gold Paladin keyword is unite, which is active when there are two or more, or when mm-hmm. you have called two or more things. And this is called by anything, so like normal call. And it also includes calling the guard circle, so when you guard. Mm-hmm. Um, they, what's his name? They have a, a V version of Canarius, which mm-hmm. is so good. Um, it's like, uh, it, so the new effect is like on play, you, if, you, if you've called two or more this turn, remember they got rid of Unite, so it's just... Mm-hmm. If you've called two or more this turn, discard, check top, I think five or three, something like that, call something. Uh, if it's on guard circle, when you do that, it goes to guard circle. If it's on radar, when you do that, it goes to radar. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just does so much more to extend the field you have going on in Gold Paladin and just helps you not die. And like, it's just such a good card. Um, mm-hmm. It was kind of a what? It was kind of a nothing burger in G, but like V Canarius, wow. Uh, I yeah. didn't. Like, Richard showed it to me, and I was like, oh, that's pretty good. And then I played against him, I'm like, why won't you die? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Unite as a keyword was always kind of weird, because it's like, okay, the thing Gold Paladin wants to do is, like, call a bunch of cards anyways, but it is also kind of weird that you have certain cards that, like, call things when they attack, and... But like they have unite attached to it, so you have to like call a bunch of stuff first, and then you can call more things. Yep. Or uh, or, or guard with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that was always fun with the G guard ones. Uh, I felt almost uh, not offended, but yeah. just kind of uh, saddened because mm-hmm. I feel like this had so much more potential. Um, they just, okay, actually, and, I'm looking through all of the Unite strides. Uh, yeah, yeah, that not was, a lot of them actually do that. Uh, it's only Glorious Raining, actually, because, like, Gurgit Helios, the Unite ability is to give it a drive, and then the GB3 is just completely separate where it has the Glory skill. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> Unite was never a hard keyword to mm-hmm. um, fulfill, especially... Probably not in Gold's. Yeah, all the time. And even aside from that, Golden Holy Sword Gurga was like, oh, did you call a Unite thing? Call the top card of your deck. Bam, you're there. Yep. Have fun, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> Here's, you need oh, yeah. to do half the work. That's all I'm asking of you. Yeah, so real solid keyword, I think. Um, yeah, I think Unite really... was one of those, like, things the clan was already doing, and they just kind of put a word on it. Uh, like and that, or for it. Unite, anyways. Now we're moving on to Revelation for Genesis. What a bizarre right. keyword this was. And now Chris is going to come blasting through my wall to explain what it is. So let's look. So Revelation was the one where you look at the top card and you may yep. put it in the soul. Yeah. So Revelation activates when you call it on the specified circle. You look at your top card and you may put it in your soul. And if you put a card into your soul, you need to choose a standing rear guard and rest it. And if you right. didn't put anything, it just stays on top of your deck. I forgot that it rests the rear guard for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was something that was so awkward when it first started. And then, if, again, this is one of those things where I kind of wish we just had one or two or more sets of support because I think they they were starting to develop a play style for it mm-hmm. where you had things like Gelia 
to kind of um, overcome yeah. that, right? Where it goes back into deck, it stands something and gives it 3K. So you go, great, something I just rested from Revelation, pop back up. Um, and then yeah, you, so... you, you had like the stride that like let you soul blast when you drove Shack mm -hmm. of Revelation or something. Mm -hmm. Let me see. Yeah, because there's only like three of them. Yes. So yeah, Genesis was a weird one because we started with Fenrir in G, and Fenrir did get a second form that wasn't like a Strider, and then we also had like Amaruda coming in later. So it was like a similar thing that happened with like Claret Sword and Luard, except they never actually stuck with either of them. It's a shame though, because I liked Amaruda. Yeah. Um, I thought it was, was it this is what. Ishmael, yeah, that's one thing. So uh, when you reveal Grave One or Greater, you can choose the same number as face up copies of itself. They get 3k, and if it has the revelation ability, you can stand them. Yeah, so like you're encouraged to run more things with revelation so that you can have this like restanding board and everything mm -hmm. like that. And for people going, oh, well, that means, well, how will you know that you're going to drive check revelation? That's kind of the point is that you're like Use thinning it. your deck out by going, oh, this is a normal unit, put it into soul. Wrestling. Mm -hmm. Let's see, what does this one do? Uh, you still charge three for each revelation, retire them, and then they just get a bunch of passive power. So yeah, revelation was a keyword that like kind of went nowhere. They like they only had like one real set with like Amaruda in it, and then Genesis kind of didn't appear for the rest of G after that. Yeah, well, because it, it was like tied to the the lore and the anime's plot where you had the yeah. Uh, Writer, and and the character that played Amaruda was only there for like the first half, and then she wasn't actually evil. So when all the evil people came out, she just kind of left. Yeah, she's like, "I'm here because humans are interesting." Like that's it. Yeah, that's like, it. she's basically <laughs> just there on vacation. Yeah, that's not that's not too uh, inaccurate to what's going yeah. on. All right, Kagura Blaze. I, I already explained this one. Uh, yeah, so in your opponent, Vanguard's blazing. It is specifically at the beginning of each of your attacks. Okay. Although, once it becomes blazing, it will stay blazing. Yeah, so even if they call more regards, it doesn't shut it off, which is good. Mm -hmm. So yeah, blaze is a state, and so it is kind of tied into what Kagro is wanting to do anyways, where you're retiring stuff. So the original Blade Master didn't have it, but we do have Cohen, so... Like, on stride, you retire something, and then you can, like, recycle things with the blaze ability to keep striding. And then, you know, I think the first big payoff was Titan, where it could just, like, gain a crit, and that was still kind of okay. I always thought Titan was kind of a meh card, to be honest, but the real one is, of course, okay. Ziegenberg. Boy. So, you know... It has the blaze ability. Uh, Ziegenberg himself does not need to be blazing, but it is tied to the similar thing where uh, you can discard you discard the same number of cards as your opponent's rear guard, so you are incentivized to retire as much as possible. And if you can get all of them and leave them on no units, then it's just free. So, yeah, for, uh, I think it was a good idea. And then, like, all the rear guards were just like. This is just a, you know, Kagero-wide problem where they were just like, mm -hmm. oh, you're blazing draw or something. I don't give a shit. Like, none of them really like, did much. It was just lame. It was like, if your Vanguard is blazing, it gets 5k. Cool. 
Yeah, so Blaze was always one of those keywords, like, they didn't do very much with it because Kagura was just Dragonic Overlord the Clan, which sucks because I like Blademaster. I think he looks cool. And Ziegenberg is one of my favorite cards. True All right. Next up is Nubatama, the reason why I have to go in clan order instead of alphabetical, because they have two keywords. I hate it here. <laughs> So, the first one is After Image, which was introduced in the G Technical Boosters, because back in the day, Bushiro would just print a, mil- would print a set every month, but instead of numbering them consecutively every now and then, they'll just call it a side set. Even though there's not actually, like, a gap in any of their releases for it to be a side set. Yeah, because it'd be, like, Clan Booster this, Tech Booster mm-hmm. that, yeah. But they were just releasing a set every month anyway. So the way after image works is when your opponent puts a card from the bind zone into their hand, you can return the unit possessing the ability to your hand as long as you have six or less cards in hand. So this was a relic of when Nubatama's thing was not necessarily discarding because they don't like that, although Shiranui did do that. But a lot of cards would bind cards temporarily and then your opponent would return it to the hand at the end of the turn so that you could trigger after image. So you would like bind one of your opponent's card at the end of the turn, they get it back, and then all of your after image cards go back so long as you have six or less cards. Again, this is kind of running off the assumption that six or seven cards was a sufficient hand size, which was not really the case by the time Nubatama got any kind of relevant support. Uh, but that also came with them just changing keywords. So, around the time of GBT10, we got a trial deck that introduced Shiranui Obero, which has the Dominate ability. And this is the important one, because this is the other guy who's coming back with the strike question. Dominate. Yeah. So, the way Dominate works is uh, you target a unit, Dominate it, you change it to stand, and then you just attack immediately. And then, this sounds very complicated because the units don't change positions. Like, you don't take the card and move it onto your board. You just, like, stand up your opponent's guy and attack them. So, uh, it does get into really weird ruling issues, but I think the general rule of thumb is, like, the board state is not changing. So, if a card specifies, like, a specific vanguard, you're going to look at it in the context of it belonging to you while it's dominated. So the card temporarily becomes yours. It's just over there. So it's not like in Yu-Gi-Oh! Mm-hmm. where you physically, you know, snatch, steal, brain control, mind control, yeah. or whatever, where it becomes yours, comes to your side. Yeah. Um, uh, the most like annoying the- one was fucking... Was it Mukuro? That dominated Mukuro. the Vanguard? I'll, I'll get to that in a second. But with... um. <laughs> With Dominate, they were really good about it in the anime. Where first off, it had this fucking metal-ass guitar track that would play whenever someone was dominated. But their eyes would turn red, signifying that they were, you know, Shiranui's bitch yeah. for, for an attack. Um, <laughs> so, Makuro was a GB2 where it's like, you dominate the opponent's vanguard, and then it attacks all of the opponent's rearguards. And you, yeah. the Nubatama player, do the drive checks of the attack. Yeah, vanguard. from your own deck, not theirs. Yes. Yeah. Um, so this also means they can't G-Guard because they don't have mm-hmm. a Vanguard 2 G-Guard. They, they're not... Like, yeah, that was fun. I forgot about that little detail. No G-Guarding. Um, you can still PG, though. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, guarding still worked like normal. Uh, and then 
you know, eventually they were just like, eh, screw it, dominate from your opponent's hand. Yeah, so, yeah. Th th this one was like the end of uh, Jiro, where they're like, all right, yeah. we can just have everybody do everything. I thought this was a great stride. I didn't really, you know, no. I wasn't especially galled by it or anything. Yeah. No, this card's good. It's just kind of funny where, like, for the longest time they were avoiding hand ripping, and then by the end of G era, they printed like five different strides that do that. I know in this particular case, first off, the hand size was getting bigger and bigger, so it wasn't as much mm -hmm. of a um, problem. A. B, you, you while the units were dominated, you kept them afterwards. So what typically people yeah. would try to do, if they could, was call something they were going to call next turn anyway. Yeah, so, although this one also turns off auto abilities, so you do have to keep that one in mind. Yes, that's on purpose, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Next is Archikaze with Engorge. Ooh, Matt I love it. Engorge. So Engorge is a <clears throat> Vang is a is a ability on Vanguard or Rearguard and triggers on attack. So when it attacks, you can eat as many of your rearguards as you would like. And if you were did one or more, if you ate, if you uh, killed one or more, it would become Engorge, which is a state. Engorge mm -hmm. is the state from the tr uh, triggered ability Engorge. <laughs> So when they're engorged, they get various effects, uh, uh, and some of the, some of those effects depend on the number of rear guards they have eaten. So those effects could be from uh, Silent Tom skill up where you can't guard with grade zeros, all the way to restanding your vanguard. Uh, like Perfect our, time. Our, our favorite one here, Gluttony Dogma, which yeah. if you ate if you ate five or more units, you would he would get uh, plus ten thousand, and at the end of battle he would restand. And uh, drive plus, drive minus one. Yeah, so you you had five drive checks, and then you combine that with Gaia's stride skill, which turned two things into automatically reviving themselves. Yep. So you'd eat so. five, and then Gaia would call two back, and then some of them would probably call back themselves as well. And you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Ga Gaia's uh, one of the best stride skills ever uh, in the game, in my opinion. Counter boss one, choose two units. When they die, call them back. Very yeah, simple, yeah. simple stride skill, and it's incredibly nice that Dogma does not cost a counter blast. Uh, he just kind of does his thing. <laughs> you just have to deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like 36, 36, and you're like, all right, and you're stacking triggers forever. And the fact that Engorge is on attack means you're retiring all your rear guards uh, before he attacks the first time, which means that you, all the triggers can be stacked in your rear guards. So the timing is actually quite convenient. Very cool ability for Tachikaze. Very in theme with what Tachikaze already did. Um, the only thing now is that there are random things that would desire the Engorge keyword, and it's just not around. Yeah. But Which... otherwise, great keyword. Mm -hmm. All right. Next is Murakumo with Shadow Stitch. <sighs> so Shadow Stitch is a keyword uh, where it's at the end of the battle, the unit's attack did not hit. You do something. So it's so it, it the trigger is your opponent guarded your attack basically, yeah. And uh, usually the uh, benefits from Shadow Stitch are you gaining some advantage or possibly another attack. So dual weapon, a very staple Shadow Stitch card. You would retire the dual weapon, and the dual weapon would copy a grade one or three on your board. Um, so you can kind of like pop dual weapon out, grab something, and then attack with that. So you can generate a lot of extra attacks, extra attacks through shadow stitch abilities. So you know your opponent's like, well, I should just take the first one. I guess is the idea. Yeah. 
The real big uh, Shadow Stitch card, at least the first one, uh, Yasui Tenma. Not uh, here. Hang on, because I think it gains the. Does it gain Shadow Stitch on red text? So it's like yes. not listed as having oh, yeah. it. So the big one is a Yasui Tenma, which uh, at, so you sh uh, GB two shoes a Yasui Tenma, flip it up, and at end of turn it gets Shadow Stitch. And usually Shadow Stitches care about that unit's battle. Or no, sorry, Shadow Stitches don't care about specific units battle. They care about some battle, generally speaking. Uh it could, but some of them do specify that unit. So it's it's it's, it's something you have to read for each card. Tenma is just saying, you know, at the end of battle that your unit attacked a Vanguard, whichever one, if the attack did not hit, you can counterblast one. Search your deck for the same uh, same name as a card that you that attacked and call it to rear. So for, this also so, includes itself, by the way, because strides copy sure the does. name of the heart card. That's true. So it it also counts as itself. So every single unit you attacked with, if they guard it, would just call another one. This combined as a card that countercharges on play, uh, you know, generates a lot of extra attacks. Assuming your opponent is unable to read your cards for some reason. <laughs> um. Yeah, so this keyword is not great, uh, but <laughs> it, it it mostly is uh, if your opponent has good problem solving skills, they can just be like, "I'll just take the damage," and mm -hmm. you're like, "Damn, foiled again." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Shadow uh, Stitch is the most like random keyword because Murakumo was one of those clans that had an overlapping playstyle with another clan in Neo Nectar, and Neo Nectar got the keyword that cared about you cloning cards, so they just kind of slapped a different keyword onto Murakumo. That's correct. And um, I think this keyword's pretty bad. A lot of people were like saying, I think this keyword's cool, because like it gives your opponent a no-win situation. And that's actually not true. Uh, anytime you're giving your opponents options, they can always choose the least painful option, uh, which is not good for you, generally how it works mm -hmm. out. Giving your opponent no option and always getting kind of a consistent result is generally better, but when they can, you know, like, the guy that countercharged, if they just took that attack, it really shut down your 10 returns for a yeah. pretty long time. And there's just, you know, there's other stuff you could mm -hmm. do to kind of increase your power to make stuff a little more awkward, but Overall, Shadow Stitch was an ability that really shined when your opponent was at five damage, and if they were ever not at five damage, it really fell apart. Mm -hmm. You need a lot of luck on your side. Yeah. I give it a right. um, yeah two out of four. <laughs> All right, next up is Narukami with Thunderstrike. Oh god! So this is a keyword that is active. As long as you reach a certain Thunderstrike number, so in a similar way to Ritual, where, you know, whatever number of cards is in your opponent's bind zone is your Thunderstrike number. Uh, Thunderstrike was a very awkward keyword, because for a very long time, they would print Narukami cards that only bound cards from the field, and there was a certain point in uh, G-Era's lifespan where the top decks did not have boards. So, for the early part of G era up until about GBT 12, Narukami just was bad. Like you had decent payoffs for everything you were doing. Uh, uh, I didn't put voltage on here because it gains Thunderstrike through red text, but you know, Dragonic Vanquisher voltage was your payoff. 
Yeah, where, where, where it would he? just make your front row super huge. Yeah, uh, so your front row would gate. So on hit, you could like bind. You can bind one of your opponents, or you retire an opponent's card, and then bind two cards from drop zone. And then GB3, all of your units in front row get 3k for each card bound. So this was the big payoff for Narukami for a really long time, but it was like not very realistic that you would actually get very high Thunderstrike numbers just because of how bad early Narukami was. You know, we got like, VMAX later that could burn you for a damage at Thunderstrike 5, which was impossible because all of the best decks could just call things mid-battle phase. And so, also just getting to Thunderstrike 5 sometimes was an ordeal. Yeah. And, and then this, this is why you had to eventually end up with Sunburst where they were just like, fuck it. We're like having yeah. it be the nuclear option of like No. Yeah. Like Narukami got good at GBT twelve when they just started printing cards that bind stuff from the drop zone. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when a stra- is uh you can bind something your opponent chooses a card from their drop zone and binds it, and then if you strode something with the Sunstrike ability, your opponent retires and binds something. And then, you know, Thunderstrike 4 at the beginning of your right phase, you can counter charge or soul charge, and then your opponent dr- finds a card from drop zone. So they had already fixed Narukami by GBT 12. Like, the big problem was always just consistency and being able to bind. And once they gave it that, uh, it turns out that uh, voltage is very good. And also, they gave us V Buster, which is just insane at the time, where it gained a bunch of power, critical drive. Yeah. Um, you know, I think like if you look at Narukami nowadays with all the stuff it has, it's like inconceivable that this mechanic was ever considered bad. But for a very long time, they just did not give Narukami the consistency that it needed. Yeah, like once you hit that critical mass of things that bind from whichever it is place that mm-hmm. you need to drop zone, whatever, um, then then it it gets there that, that like the it wasn't that the effects were bad it's that the getting to the thunderstrike was hard mm-hmm. uh, so yeah although Yay. like early on the effects were bad too like this fucking thing why does it uh, only work on the vanguard circle scroll up martial like arts ah yeah martial arts was a pain in the butt but you had to run it cuz you need that bind early game uh, yeah <laughs> but only on vanguard circle because you know, you don't get to have nice things. What you don't do, other clans. Alright, so we need to start going faster. There's so many more clans. Oh, uh, Nova Glappler, Rush. So their keyword is just when something is stood, except by trigger. Oh, no, including trigger effects. It's just by so, any sort of thing you actually yeah. rush and then get a thing. Yeah, so Rush is just whenever something stands by a card ability. This is one of those keywords that's just putting a word to what the clan was already doing. Yeah, and then Neil Peart comes in with the drum solo. No, I. Yeah, uh, Dimension Police. <laughs> uh, Burst. Burst is uh, very similar to something that Dimension Police was already doing for a really long time. The numbers mm-hmm. just got a lot bigger. Um, the only uh, they gave some pretty powerful cards to the Burst ability, including Rinka, which gives it mm-hmm. so that your opponent uh, you can kind of negate Sentinels when you have large Burst Vanguards. Uh, but the real downside now to burst is that they're the cards, the new cards they print don't have the burst ability, so all the burst cards are kind of irrelevant for the most part. Yeah, but I usually, you, like, yeah, it's like 60,000 is kind of like the peak. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's a it burst is a fine ability. Uh, I really hate how they develop the stride skills around burst for the most part. 
because they're always just kind of lazy. Of, you get 4K and you're like, all right, which got you to 30, I guess. But like, who cares? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you didn't really get the like stuff like the Commander Laurel to double that instantly. You had to like do it other different ways. So you were yeah. probably just better off doing the Die Kaiser break right guard break shenanigans, right? Uh, that was true up until the end of G, or yeah, until the when last they gave us when they gave us this basically. Yeah, Bravest yeah. Peak Excalop. It became better to just do this. Because mm-hmm. this card is really good. This this yeah. is still good. I, I played against my friend Scott, who like he put together this D Robo build that's like for post history collection, and it's it's pretty dope. Um, and it yeah. uses Goyusha, I mean, believe it or not. <laughs> I mean. It's not like Dimension Police wasn't already good before this. Like, Dyliner is tops very consistently. Yep. Yeah. Uh, alongside the Greya, D- Dyliner is one of my mortal enemies because I keep running into it. Simply kill them. Happens yeah. whatever. Uh, Link Joker, Link Joker we already doesn't. Said. Yeah, we said, like we said, it doesn't have one because they just decided that, all right, we're already doing the lock thing. That's already a keyword. They also had delete. So they were just like, eh, screw it. We're not making any more mechanics. You already have like three of them. Yeah. So uh, Spike Brothers. So uh, this one this... was Charge. Da-da-da-da-da. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so Charge is when it's placed by the ability this turn. Uh, and then at the end of the battle that attacked or boost, uh, it goes back to your deck. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. similar to another keyword that we'll see later, except that... Uh, it has to be placed by an ability. Yeah, so that made... Yeah, that was the one thing that made charge really awkward is because you have to place it by card effect. Like, sometimes you couldn't get your combos, like, started just because it was, like, weird trying to get everything in order. Mm-hmm. Which is why we had to have... I think it's Rising Supernova that just makes things charging. Yep. Yeah, and then you had, like, your... your... Agrius, yeah, also... Well, there's that, mm-hmm. and then like your glimmer clone wasn't really even like a plus. It was just like find something and then call it back, just so you yeah. can artificially activate charge. Yeah, there's a lot of just bind things where you call it to artificially activate charge. Yeah, but it was uh, it's necessary to do to do that in some in some scenarios. Yeah, like Agrius binds two per face up and then brings them back. They, they should have just let you do it no matter how you called it. Yeah. I'm not really sure why they made it so. That being said, like if you find a Spike Brother player, they will just perform Cold Fusion with the charge with all of their charge units. Yes, <laughs> it's it's really simple. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah. So next is Di, which is Darkness, which is just a state that becomes active as long as a card has been put into your soul. Yep, and that's excluding like writing. So, this yeah. is like what the deck is already doing. Yep. Yeah. This is just a um, keyword for a thing deck was already doing. The standout cards were obviously Enigmatic Assassin, uh, the card that is still limited because it's too good. And well, I will never have my my, uh, my mm-hmm. Blade Wing deck ever again until she, either I get another multi-attack engine or she comes off that list. But yeah. that's and, never... Uh, the other big one was uh, this Mouse? guy. Oh, uh, no. oh we're, ti- we're Tiger Yeager. Buddy, yeah. love this thing. So this uh, is one that like let you soul charge and then you can like put it back into your hand, uh, and then also it's a stride fodder. If you have uh, cards with darkness in your soul. Mm-hmm. And then this was also a funny one where uh, 
Sharhot wasn't really the thing you were doing for a while. It was actually Glens and Vampire. Um, um yes. Okay, yeah. Yeah, for a while, like, Glens and Vampire was, like, better than what you could be doing with Sharhot, so you went with this as your main grade 3 for a little bit if you were playing Darkness. Uh, eventually, this card got good. Uh, you can sell card too. You'd use it for a rear guard mostly, because it would be like no zeros, which was very Yeah. Uh, well, a, I thought there was a third Sharhot too. There was, but yeah, there the it is. Daybreak Sharhot was that last mm -hmm. one. That did, it didn't really do all that much. Um, yeah, although Darkness was like good by the end of uh, G, uh, yeah. by the end of G, because you had Balam back when glory skills mattered. Yeah, and then you also had Blader Mask, which was a mm -hmm. way to A, prevent yourself from decking out, and B, was pretty solid reset. Um, yeah. And I think, like, pretty much any DI builds, you, you know, which are pretty much all NLK Barrel Magnus these days, but you still keep a set of these as your, well, okay, I'm almost out of cards. Let's put everything back. And I uh, still have two SPs and just sitting in my binder. <laughs> I should have gotten those from you for, uh, what's it called, for, for uh, Springfest. Mm-hmm. When I played yep. it. Pale Moon, I got you on this. Okay, so uh, Magia was, like I said at the be beginning of the episode, where it's you call a card from Soul, and then at the end phase it goes back in. Um, so this was pretty nice. The problem was that you had a lot of, like, you had, like, no counter charge in Pale Moon. Mm -hmm. Like, at all. Um, you, we even I even, for a time, ran this grade 2 that was, like, GB1 on hit counter charge 2. That's how desperate I was for counter charge. Um, but on paper, it's really good. Uh, and I, I think now post history collection, you can get that the the Harry deck set, pull out four of those G Harrys and shove them in there. And you're like mm -hmm. nine tenths of the mm -hmm. way there for making a competent uh, deck for post history collection. Yeah. But also don't actually buy that because it's not worth the money. It's probably just cheaper to buy the singles, honestly. Probably, but I, I did that just because I split it with uh, Edwin. So. Uh, too late. All right. I sure uh, hope you paid less. I did. I did. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, next is Gear Chronicle with Time Leap, everybody's favorite keyword. Kill me. <laughs> oh, it's coming back now, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, sort of. Well, I'm just. What do you mean, sort of? Yes. It like post history. This is one of the. This is what I'm most scared of. Of all the decks coming back with like, you know, a, a lot of keyword decks are starting to show, you know, show back up again. Time leap is the thing that scares me the most. Yeah. With, I mean, uh, uh, Uluru is, and all that stuff. This one is weird because it's like half what the clan is doing. Because if you play like Steam mains right now, they all essentially time leap, but they don't actually use the keyword. And like even in D, uh, what's this? Oh fuck, what was that? Fate Rider, you know, time leaps without yeah. having the keyword. But yeah, time leap is you bind a card, and then uh, for every card bound, you search for a card with one grade higher and call it. And then at the end of the turn, you put back the thing that you called and unbind the thing that you had time leapt. Yeah, and then if you like time leap a thing that was already time leapt, the thing from before is like stuck in time or whatever. So yeah. So yeah, time leap was always a very, very annoying keyword because of okay, Uluru or Elam does not have the keyword, but you know, these assholes. 
Yeah, history Tick- maker, TikTok worker, and uh, uh, Melody. Why did I say Uluru? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know why you're afraid of Uluru or Melum after history collection. Steam Maidens already play this card. It's because you can stack two force markers on one circle and just put the time leap on that over and over, and it, it like mm-hmm. hits like a truck, especially if they're going first. Yeah. Ah. But they already do that. What, stacking two force markers on top? Uh, not the stacking force markers, yeah. just the, like, going off on you. Oh, like, I know that. Two. Yeah, but I'm saying that, like, that this is just a, another way to do it. And they also have the Urwatar thing now yeah. um, that they can do again. So, fear. So, yeah, you know, yeah. all of these assholes. Uh, I did not enjoy GB8 or GBT8 format. Yeah, me neither. Um, 11 to 13. That's my, my golden era for G, I think. Uh, all right, what's next here? Um, getting into Magellan, Magellanica, whatever it is. I don't like the look you're giving me. Hmm. He's like, oh, is he frozen? Is that the? He could be. If he's frozen, that's really funny. Because um, I'm usually the one who freezes. Anyway, um, I'm he gonna let me back in. He says, "Let me back in." Yes. Uh, let me back in. Remove. Add to stream. I did. Why are you? Uh-oh. Device is not connected. There he goes. All right. Okay, I accidentally closed the window. I don't know uh, why I refreshed it. Okay, weird. Um, anyway, so getting into uh, Magellan, Magdalenica, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Cool. Um, so, is it Grand Blue? Uh, yeah, give me a sec. So, yeah, Grand Blue had Hollow. I'm just going to start. Is easier than just trying to scroll down. So hollow is a keyword that is active when you place it any way. You can just choose to put it in the hollow state, and it will stay in the hollow state, and then they die at the end phase. There is never... I cannot think of a reason to not have it be in the hollow state. Um, there were a couple things where like you wanted to leave something on board for like... You'd kill it and then call it back with Night Roses GP2. It was very niche, though. It was like, no, it almost never happened. didn't even need to do that. You could just let Grenache die by hollow. Grenache has to die by hollow to counter charge. No, no, not Grenache. It was something else. I think it might have been Cannoneer or something like that. Like, I mean, no, because Cannoneer, you would just build your, you would just use the G guards to build a Denial Griffin. I don't think you need to actually leave it on the board. Anyway, um, yeah, like I cannot think of a reason for you to like not hollow something, even something like Phantom Bath Blaster Diablo. That's what G guards are for. Yeah, that's what made the the charge thing so galling to me was that hollow was just free and charge you had to do it through like a yep for an effect. Yeah, because basically all of your hollow cards say to like do a thing if it's in the hollow state, mm-hmm. and so there was like never a reason not to have it. Uh, while I do hate GBTA format, I did really like Night Rose during that time. It was a really cool non-linear deck. Yes, it, it and, did have a lot of lines of play. Yeah, 
Well, because you just had like four different guys that could all call things. So you had Negro Lazy, you had Nightstorm. Uh, was it? Columbard isn't on here because he's not a hollow unit. Uh, neither is Negrobone, I think. Yeah, so Negrobone doesn't have the hollow ability, but it has to call something with the hollow ability. So, yeah, that was always a really neat deck. Uh, I feel like the Night Rose as a whole just kind of dropped off afterwards. Like, uh, Starlight Night Rose was never quite as good as the original one just because of the ability to call back things. Yeah. But yeah, I did really like that deck when we had uh, GBT8, and it, we had combos like on par with Time Leap at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next up is Bermuda. So their keyword is harmony, and I'm just gonna look look it up instead of trying to scroll for it. I really hate Wikia. <laughs> Wikia is the worst, but it's kind of yeah. Okay, so the way harmony works, this is a more complicated one. It is a state. So when a different unit is placed in the same column as something with the harmony ability, both units become in harmony with each other. Yeah. And then, you know, if one of them leaves the field, they stop being in harmony. So, okay. yeah, it's weird. So a lot of your cards, like, need things to be in harmony to, like, have their effects. And, uh, let's see, the big payoff for it was always something like the big Loris, where if all of your units in harmony, like, they, you can choose three things, give a 5k, it gets itself a crit... Uh, I know, like, later on we got the, like, Shandi from the Premium Collection, where if you have a full board in Harmony, it gets a crit, and then, you know, on attack you can call things up to the same number of cards in Harmony. Uh, there was also the Grade 3 Speaker that could, like, if it's in Harmony, bounce and call something back. This card was always neat, never saw competitive play, because Harmony was just never good enough. Uh, Harmony as a whole never went anywhere, like, well, the first time Bermuda was relevant in G, it was Prism, and then like later on we just got Anjay, which does have the Harmony ability, but I don't think really played any of the Harmony cards other than itself, because it was just that good. Yeah, Harmony was never, like, okay, apply this to every Bermuda Triangle thing, but it's, Harmony was just something I never cared about, nor did it seem like it was very good overall. You kind of just did the Highlander, this or that. Yeah, uh, so, like, yeah, the way, the things that made Bermuda good, there was that one Legion deck that was really defensive, like, eventually Anjay, because you could plus a million, and, like, Prism, because it, Prism, like, kind of did the same thing, but had a restanding Vanguard. Yeah. And then, you know, for uh, Aquaforce, we have Wave. So, Wave is a weird one, where, like, during the number of battle of a specific turn so if a card is like wave third time or more it's active during the third battle you know fourth time fourth battle etc etc so yeah aqua force always had a thing where they wanted like a specific number of battles if you go all the way back to like the original maelstrom for example it had the on hit at the fourth battle or higher so, Wave as a keyword was basically just putting a name to what the clan was already doing. And this was also a strange... 
one of the rare ones where they just slap the keyword onto the entire clan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, because that is one thing about a lot of these keywords is oftentimes they would separate the, like, archetypes from the, like, G archetype. So you had, like, Dudleys and Spike Brothers, for example, where they would just kind of do their own thing in archetype. And then you had Rising with Charge, which was separate. And so... This was a rare one where, like, they just printed Wave on everything because basically everything already used Wave and it was just an easy shorthand. Uh, I kind of wish they would just keep using Wave because Aqua Force is one of the clans that never really changed mechanics between a series until we got V Thavos. Agree. Um, oh god, Megacolon. Dark Device was such a waste, I think. Um, where like if nothing is standing in the same column as the thing with dark device, mm -hmm. you get to blank. Uh, which, yeah, yeah, and and with meta colony, I don't know if it's a thing of like they're afraid of doing something too broken. See, Aurora uh, right, I guess, or if it's just something where they don't really know how to use the tools they're given because they never quite. Uh, never quite what you kind of cut off there. Oh, now I Atlas is gone. frozen. <laughs> oh, they never quite knew how to use the tools. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh -huh. they, they never quite knew how to use the tools that they they were trying to cradle mark. <laughs> Markers, too much shit that they just didn't stick with something. Yeah. Uh, well, that was in V, right? Like G was very consistent in that you were always just paralyzing stuff, and then well, the way Dark Device always, works is that. Nope, that was always what they were doing. Like they were Machine very consistent in G. Machining was calling stuff from Soul even in like Boomer Vanguard. Machining yeah, but they also would still example. like they would also still stun things. Yeah. Whatever. Also continue. Yeah, also machining is an archetype. It's separate from what Dark Device was doing. Like G Mega Colony was very consistent in like stunning the opponent's cards. And even Gridora, which like blocks you from calling things to a column. Uh, that synergizes with Dark Device because it's just if there's no standing units. So if there's no units there, there's no standing units. So, like, Dark Device is just one of those, like, benefits from what the clan was already doing. And I think they were pretty consistent with it. Like, Mega Colony was meta after Gridora came out. Yeah. Um, oh, my turn. All right. Success. Okay. So success is once again a state where um, it's marked by uh, success and then a number. It's usually 20,000. Occasionally it'd be 25,000. But the way that worked is if it or a rear guard on board had its power at or above that level. So like if it go, you, you dope it with a plus 4k, it hits over 20, you are now successful. Um, it doesn't have to be the thing with success that gets dope. It just has to see it increase. If mm -hmm. you call it onto board, the card with success, and you have stuff already over the 20k mark, it's not successful. It has to see the number go up to become successful. I see. Um, and most of the effects were kind of middle of the road. The only one that really had a lot of impact was Amazing Professor Big Valley, which was just another crayon tiger, more or less. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, like, maybe Field Blast Otter. A lot of it was just kind of like, all right, you know, dope some stuff. Um, Grey Belly, 
uh, in, in the Big Belly deck was like unattacked with successful Soul Blast, dope two things, and then end phase draw and retire them. Like those, that was pretty solid. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it didn't really make a huge impact. It wasn't bad. It was just kind of like they didn't really like commit to it. Mm -hmm. And then finally, Neo Nectar with Bloom, which activates when you call a guy with the same name. Oh man, and hope hope you're good at multiplication, guys. Uh. Yeah. So I think Bloom for a while like didn't do anything because Neo Nectar they didn't give Neo Nectar very many tools, and then uh, around like after GBT thirteen, whenever they supported Neo Nectar again, we got like yeah. Blue Asha, and it became really easy to like bloom your units and get them like 20,000 plus power or gaining 20,000 plus power while you were also like multi-attacking so like bloom eventually became good when you could just like attack five times with your units at like 60k yeah and like what's weird is that you never really saw Asha top all that much even with these like columns that were hitting for astronomical numbers um, and even well, my end of G era, everything was like doing that. Yeah. So it, it was just kind of like, I think it, it was mostly hand related because you'd have these crazy boards, but not a lot of, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Th those are all the main keywords. Yep. I hate it when people play Neo Nectar and we're bad at math. <laughs> <laughs> so says the math major. Um, you know also, how long it took people to count? Yes. Was the worst. I know. And that I, was back when, like, for some reason, people didn't use dice ever. Mm -hmm. I think there was actually a rule for a time where they were like, you, you only have the thing, the cards on the board, no please dice. Do not please do not remind me of that. I remember that. And then eventually it just it, it didn't get repealed because Boucher had wanted to on their own volition. Everybody reached a critical mass of, like, man, shut the fuck up. I'm using dice. <laughs> so... Mm -hmm. we, we, we like silently rebelled until it eventually got repealed just kind of by criticalness. Um, but yeah, I, I think overall in terms of keywords, you, they were a neat idea and some de like some claims just had more uh, experimentation with them than others mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that I liked. Yeah. I wish they did more with them. Yeah, I wish they did more with them. It's also part of the reason why History Collection is so disappointing because I associate keywords very strongly with G-Era. Mm -hmm. Like, especially by the second half when they just printed Striders with the keywords and sometimes you had, like, two or three of them. Yes. Like, it's very disappointing that they went with, like, the original ones when, like, a lot of clans, once they started getting their keywords, like, moved away from what the original was doing. Yeah. Right. The only so, exception being Shirani Oboro. Uh, yeah. And that is also frustrating in its own way. But yeah, I just wanted to like talk about it because I want to see like if they do anything interesting with keywords again with like Luard and Shiranui with when those stride sets come out. But also as like if they want to do a G era revival like they did with History Collection, I feel like this is a better direction than just kind of slapping like new effects on the old like on hit strides because like who remembers or cares about any of those cards? Not that I can remember. Yeah, um, like if I'm thinking about like Royal Paladin, I'm not thinking about Goblade. No. no yeah, nobody remembers like Kieran and, for uh, OTT. Another reason I really liked your idea for this episode was that for people who came in either in overdress in like in even just in B. 
and stuff like that, you, you like it's just you weren't here for this. And I think it's important to learn about these uh, pieces of Vanguard's history, especially from people who were fucking there. Um, yeah. So. Like this is like literally when I started the game is around the time keywords started becoming prolific. And uh, yeah, so I, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I know it's about the length of uh, the average set review, but um, yeah, uh, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, Patreon.com slash Nexus tonight if you want to help out the show. Thanks to Darren Cole, Josh Jeremy, GR Ali, and all our patrons uh, at Nexus tonight on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. Where can they find the most of us? You can find me on Twitter at Wiggums, two G's, two Z's. You can find me at Plasma Eclipse. Find me at Atlas Novak, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok blue sky for some reason um you can check out my youtube channel the epileptic comic uh it's all short form sketches some of them are about having epilepsy or you can check out my podcast generation dan which is about generational differences the episode that came out this week was talking about red flags so enjoy that thanks everybody for listening until next time i was atlas i'm still matt i'm root beer and have a good night everybody mm-hmm.